Are you ready to take your real estate investing business to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. With your mentors, Wayne and Gabby. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Today is Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. The weather today will be a high of minus 24 degrees in Edmonton, minus 26 degrees in Saskatoon, minus 22 degrees in Calgary, and minus 1 degree in Toronto. Thanks, Effie. Where, where would you where would you like to be? <laughs> yeah. Oh God. It's like it's like my with the wind chill, it's like minus thirty three eight or something in oh. Saskatoon. Oh in Saskatoon. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Uh we are broken. I'm I'm I I I feel bad for Chaston in that seventy five hard. Oh yeah. I'd be like like full mask, like suffocating myself to survive. And he's pretty dedicated too about <laughs> oh, that. Oh, 100%. Like he's going for his walk. Oh, dear God. Oh, it's minus 41 with the wind chill right now. Did he correct you? No, oh, I'm no, looking. You... I pulled it up. Yeah. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Gross. Uh, we are broadcasting live as we do every morning, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Mountain Time on the Podbean app. Come join the live show. Get your questions answered. All you got to do is just, you know, download that app, search up the show. And uh, you'll get notified when we go live at 6 a.m. Mountain Time or 8 a.m. Eastern or whatever, uh, 12.30 Newfoundland time. I, I don't know what time it is. <laughs> 9.30. Like way later. <laughs> Isn't that three and a half hours? Uh, sure. Something like that. Okay. It was way later. But anyways, uh, you'll get notified. And then, um, I mean, Gab, describe the, the app um, layout. It's really awesome. It's basically like you join into like a gigantic family chat when you jump in. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if, if anybody else has family chats, but like, yeah, it, it's it's a giant. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> For those of you who don't. No, no, please go on. Please, please just keep going. <laughs> or friend chat or whatever. Anyways, it's like a giant chat box and it's awesome just like you can see everybody like as they come in you can see that they've joined and then that you know everybody's like talking to each other and um there's yeah like the little like heart countdown you get to like send hearts and collect hearts and it's it's fun it's fun i oh, like it i'm okay <laughs> and there's like this little competition where everyone tries to be like the there's a few people that are trying to be the first person in every yeah. morning yeah and um, so, so John, I made it once. You made it once, yeah. yeah. You're a little late this morning. I was, but, I was fifteenth this morning. Um, so, so <laughs> John comes in, you know, literally, not well, not literally, but you know, comes in, you know, busts the door open with literally. his foot, <laughs> with his foot, and and types in the comments first. <laughs> Flex. Problem was, he wasn't first. <gasps> Lori was first. Ooh. So John, John <laughs> a little too soon, buddy. Actually, Lori was first. Um, so you're going to have to retract that. It's like he typed it out in his notes and copied it yeah. so that he could just oh. be like, bah, paste, send. 100%. But he didn't need to type out first. 100%. But he wasn't paying attention. I admire his confidence. Yeah. But uh, it's not accurate. <laughs> Anyways, good morning, John. And, and good morning to Eric. I see Eric here as, as well, Listina. Um, and, uh, Jeff's here and Joshua's here and, uh, Lori, uh, uh, numero uno this morning. Hello. Uh, Denise here and, and Don. Good morning to Don. Uh, good morning to El Ray. Had my, um, uh, free coaching call with, uh, El Ray yesterday. Nice. Uh, El Ray was the top fan for last month, last month January, uh, on the, on the morning show and won two free coaching calls. So we had our first one yesterday. Great coaching call. Um, yeah. I'll let, I'll let Al Ray explain it to you. Is, 
do tell, well, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to talk about his personal shit. Yeah, no, don't. <laughs> it was great. I can awesome. say that. Good, 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 good. Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah. Good, 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 good. Good morning, Romeo. Hey, Romeo. <laughs> Another Joshua. Yes. Is this is this a new Joshua? Um. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome, Joshua. Yes. So uh, Joshua actually had a question. He sent it to me yesterday, saying, "Hey, can you answer this tomorrow on the show? We have a guest today on the show, though." Oh yes, we do. Um, uh, Randall Weiss, uh, from DCI Properties is on today, and we're going to be talking about Southwest Ontario and the market there. Um, but if we got time at the end of the show, we might, we might be able to dive into that question. Awesome. Um, did he, did he, did he post the message in the chat? No, it just says good morning. And I just noticed it was a new name. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Richard's here as well. Good morning. Cody. Good morning. Hey, Philip from uh, Red Deer. Uh, Matt Legere from Calgary. Yeah. And Cody says, oh, that's what you said. Cody said so close to beating John today. Hmm. Hmm. Morning, Kyle. Yes, it's damn cold, he says in, in Saskatoon. Good morning, Mr. C, Mr. Chandra. He says, good morning, aye, aye, Captain, rolling up my sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. C's moving to uh, Regina, so he's, uh, yeah. again, not looking forward to that. Uh, that weather. That Saskatchewan weather. <laughs> morning, Jacker. Good morning, Paul. Yeah, more talk about the weather, extreme cold warnings everywhere. Yeah. Except Toronto. <laughs> um, goodness gracious. Okay. Oh, the wow. Chat is on fire today. Don says the chat is the family weirdos. Is that what you've titled it, Don? <laughs> the chat is the family weirdos. That's a, that's a very good uh, description of that. Um, okay. Well, tell you what. Good morning to the rest of you. Yes. <laughs> um, here's what I want to do. I want to get uh, Randall in here. Okay. And start talking about uh, Southwest Ontario, what's going on there, Let's do and it. Uh, and and how great the weather is. <laughs> he's gonna brag. I know it. Oh, 100 percent. He's gonna brag. But it was like good last morning. week. It was like good morning. Good what was morning. the weather last week? It was like in the in the ends, wasn't it? Yeah, last week it was beautiful. There was actually a golf course outside of London, Ontario that opened for two days. That's how dry and warm it was. Oh, whatever. Brag, brag, <laughs> brag. <laughs> well, there's today it's actually going to be pretty nasty. I would actually take the minus 31 in Regina or whatever, whatever it was <laughs> where we were talking about there because we're supposed to be getting like an ice storm with 20, 20 millimeters of uh, freezing rain to happen this afternoon. Oh, Ooh, brutal. Yeah, that's yeah. bad. <clears throat> yeah, so not- it's not going to be good. I think Toronto is going to be more uh, snow. It, like it'll start off as freezing rain and then turn to yeah. snow. But yeah, it's not a. I definitely take the colder, crisper weather today or even just plain snow. Yeah. I'm going to digress, but did you guys see the the freezing rain storm in Seattle like a few months ago and all the videos of like people trying to like crawl up hills and they're just like sliding? No. <laughs> Come on. You didn't see it? No. Oh my God. It was hilarious. I hope it's not like that for you guys. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Uh, that was one of crawling up any hills. Yeah. Send pics or videos, please. <laughs> that's yeah. That's that's you're absolutely right. And when I think about it, when I compare it to to to, to living, you know, um, back in St. Catharines, um, the the weather is so completely different there. Like winter is so different there. And I kind of do like Alberta because it's consistent. You know what I mean? It's like it's, it's sunny and cold. It's just sunny and cold. And, you know, like you, you, you rarely, you don't, you don't get your hopes up. There's never like a warm day during the winter and the snow never melts. So it's just like, it's very consistent, but like in Ontario, like you could go from like 14 degrees in the middle of February to like, you know, a freezing rainstorm. And that, that, that kind of weather is just so like, it's, I think it's colder because it it pierces you. Yeah. It's got to be hard on like the migraines and stuff too. People who get migraines. Oh God. Yeah. And just sloppy. But anyways, how about that weather? <laughs> oh man. So what what's going on over at uh, DCI properties there? What are you guys what are you guys brewing up right now? What are you guys working on? Uh off to a good start for this year. 
we're actually about to plan some in-person events similar to what we did in Edmonton. We're going to be doing one in London. I'll have the details the next time that I'm on this show, but we're awesome. looking to be sometime in, in April just to kind of get together with some of our top clients, maybe share a little update on the market, maybe have our friends from uh, Calvert uh, talk about real estate investing and on the financing side. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, I would say, you know, things are going pretty well. It's uh, the market is at least has a little bit of predictability <laughs> in, yeah. in Ontario. Now we've, I think we've kind of turned a corner. We've seen all of our major buyers and repeat buyers reach out on properties that we've sent out this year. So I think if they were underwater on some projects that they did last year, they've been able to move on from those, free up some capital and it hasn't slowed them down. So it's been a pretty active start, I would say. And the good thing is, is pricing has come down. And yeah, I think we could probably get into that a little bit today, talking about what does it take to get into a property in southwestern Ontario, I think, you know, I was, I was listening to even the start, right? And we, you guys talk a lot about, uh, here, I'll put on my Ontario hat, and I'll generalize everyone in Alberta, because it happens, <laughs> it happens to me every time I go to Alberta that I get generalized in Ontario. So <laughs> It's only fair. It's only fair. So, so it's only fair. So I think people think of Ontario as Toronto, right? And just yeah. Toronto centric, right? So there's a lot of communities where nobody is concerned with Toronto on a day-to-day basis, right? Like a lot of real estate investors in Ontario don't even buy real estate in Toronto because it's too expensive, right? There's no such thing as a single family home that cash flows in Toronto. So they look elsewhere and that's where closer to where our DCI head office is and that's towards Southwestern Ontario. So our mm-hmm. head office is in London, Ontario, where, London's more of a university town, um, a lot of old generational wealth, kind of like a big divide in the town between um, some older communities and some newer communities. But the reality is, is now that prices have come down, you can still get into, at least through us on an off-market deal, you can still find a single family detached for, you know, mid to high threes or low fours. So I think, you know, we send out deals in great neighborhoods in Edmonton or Calgary, the prices aren't too much different than some of the neighborhoods in London, or we have even cheaper cities in Ontario, like Windsor and stuff like that. In Windsor, you can get a detached home for, you know, from us off market, probably high twos. We've even sent out a property mid ones needed a lot of work, (laughs) but there was a lot of potential there. So I think there's that kind of misconception that people think of Ontario and they think, okay, yeah, it's Toronto, and then everything's so expensive. How am I going to do anything there? It's, yeah. You know what I mean? I think you coming from St. Catharines, you would probably understand that and and know that because St. Catharines, Niagara, Welland area, that would be another area that might be good for investing as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's... Now has it has it come down in the last twelve months, or is it is it is it about the same? Like like every well, that's the other headline that that most people are hearing across Canada is that like, and from most investors in that area saying that you know my 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 property dropped one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in value. Is that accurate? Yeah, I would say so because the other thing with Ontario is well, the one hundred and fifty thousand is completely arbitrary, right? Yeah. As we all know, these statements get just completely generalized off of one or two examples that somebody has seen. You don't really know how much your property has dropped unless you actually have to sell it. So if you started a flip project right before the peak and then the market dropped off, yes, there would be a massive big swing. If you owned a rental property and you saw the value going up, you had to be like, okay, this is rising faster than like stocks of, Tesla at some point, right? It was ridiculous how fast properties were going up. You had to see that that wasn't sustainable. So if you actually go back, I've seen a lot of graphs where the housing prices in Ontario are not too much different now than what they were pre-COVID. So COVID spiked the prices and yes, they came back down, but still 
I think if we go back in time to pre-COVID, if I'm sitting in Edmonton, I, was, I would still be thinking, well, yeah, Ontario's lucky. They've had a lot of appreciation on their properties over the last several years. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, a lot of that appreciation comes from um, there's just a massive housing shortage, to be honest, right? You look at, let's talk about the GTA for a second. So Toronto, it's, it's surrounded by a green belt that has been protected by the government for years and years and years. And just recently, the Ford government uh, has decided to allow some building in that area. And this is, if anybody who's listening, who's around the GTA, they'll know what I'm talking about when I say urban sprawl, meaning that you yeah. have you have this gap between like, uh, call it North York 401, 404. The, the housing gets a little bit sparse as you start to head up the 404 towards communities like Newmarket and Aurora. There's big, vast green spaces along the highway there that have been historically protected. So there's a lot of immigration into Ontario. There's a lot of immigration into Alberta as well, but there's a lot of immigration into Ontario, more so than there is there. And there's Absolutely. Just, there's just been a demand, um, a really pent-up demand for housing, which has driven up the prices. It's, been a, it's just simple economics. It's been a supply and demand. The number of new builds has not been keeping up with the amount of immigration and the demand for housing. And I think that's only gonna get worse right now because builders now that acquired large plots of land and were planning you know, three to five years out or two to five years out in terms of their project, the cost of materials haven't gone down. So for them, if the numbers don't work on their project, they'll just sit on the piece of land. They're not going to start a bunch of overpriced homes that they're not going to be able to sell. So then they just sit on it. So then the number of new builds slows down, which then puts even more demand on housing. So I think you'll see more high-rise buildings going up. There's definitely a demand for that as well. But, you know, it, when you take a step back, it's, it's no wonder the housing prices have went up so much. There's the, the, the new builds have not kept up with the demand. So it's, there's nothing special happening. It's just a supply and demand. And now the market is more balanced because you have that supply on the market and the demand has been slowed down by the rising interest rates. So people are either locked in, they can't move, don't want to move, can't afford to move up. They're going to stay put where they are. Or if they're renting, unfortunately, they're really getting squeezed right now because it's the same sort of supply and demand. I'm on a long rant here. You can jump in if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess what I'm just curious about is like, what 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 do you prefer? I mean, there's been a very uh, an upward, you know, rising of prices for the last ten plus years. And people have been loving it. They're riding it. They're refinancing. They're flipping. Um, do you, you know, did you, I mean, I, it's probably an easy answer, maybe, maybe a complicated one, but, you know, did you prefer that or do you prefer the more balanced market right now? Which do you prefer? It depends on which hat I'm wearing. If I put on, a, <laughs> <laughs> if I put on my investor hat and homeowner hat, then yes, uh, the appreciation is great. If I put on my good citizen hat and what's the best for, you know, the greater good or the public, so to speak, I would say modest growth or, you know, flat to modest growth, you know, salaries, people's salaries aren't going up five to 10% per year, right? Normally salaries follow inflation, inflation for the last little bit, except for the last year um, has been around two to 3%. So if you have housing costs rising at 5% or even anything above that two to 3%, that gap of housing affordability is growing year over year, right? Which is mm -hmm. just not a good thing. You're talking to a dad with three little kids, right? I'm already planning ahead that I need to have properties for them when they move into or when they're ready to move out because I don't know how they afford a single family detached property on their own right now. And that's, you know, that's, that's a pretty sad state, I, I would say. So again, depends on how I answer that question or which hat I'm wearing. Fair enough. Well, is there any unique opportunities with the with the direction that the market is going right now? I mean, savvy investors, expert investors will always find a way to, you know, find opportunities in each in each trend. So what unique opportunities do you think are coming right now based on yeah, today's market? Sure. 
Yeah, for sure. So let me pull up my crystal ball, which obviously I don't have. <laughs> so if I'm on this podcast like nine months from now and somebody's like, that didn't happen, I apologize in advance. Future Randall <laughs> apologizes already. But I don't think we're too far off from, from bottoming out in terms of where the prices are going to go. As I explained, the demand, it's still there. Okay, The only thing staving that off and is the interest rates. So if you believe that the interest rates will start to come down, whether it's end of this year, six months from now, or early next year, whatever you, you're, you're believing into or subscribing to, <clears throat> there's another factor that I'm going to kind of put as a multiplier with interest rates going down, which is the government just put a two-year ban on foreign home buyers. Okay. So I just, we just talked about the high levels of immigration into Canada in general, let alone Ontario and Alberta, very high immigration. So these people are going to move in. They're going to be forced to rent. Rents are at an all-time high. That's going to leave these people who can afford to buy with this pent-up demand for two years from now. And whether interest rates come down in six months or one year or whenever they're going to come down a little bit, you have this pent-up demand plus the lowering of interest rates. There's only... You know, again, I don't have a crystal ball, but I'm looking at two years from this January, and I think that there's going to be another miniature boom in terms of a spike in prices in Ontario. I just think there's going to be too much demand. I don't, I don't subscribe to that. It's just going to be stable growth. I don't think it's going to be year over year over year. It might be a little blip where it goes up again, but I would say the opportunity is in front of people now. If you subscribe to the fact that we're almost at the bottom or we're at the bottom. These are properties, some of the properties that we've sent out in Ontario lately from DCI, they've been in the threes or low threes, high threes for detached properties that you, you know, have tons of potential in terms of whether you want to put in a secondary unit, you know, nice lots, mature neighborhoods, decent neighborhoods. These are places that at the peak in COVID, when things spiked, these places were 750 to 800 mm -hmm. if they were fully renovated you know top of the line you redid everything spent a lot of money in there i'm not saying that that was reasonable but if you're getting into one of these places for 350 400 from us right now and you subscribe to the fact that that value is going to go up in a couple of years when interest rates are lower foreign home buyer ban is removed you know i i think not only are you getting a good property in the short term you're getting a great property for your portfolio in the long term yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm quite interested interested to see what what ends up happening at the end of the two years. What they're going to do? Uh, do they continue with the banning of foreign buyers? Do they just say, "Hey, it's done now"? You know, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that the, it's just a temporary thing, or I don't know. <clears throat> I think it's funny. Like, <clears throat> I think the government. Uh, when they comment on the housing industry, there's a lot of blame put towards real estate investors, particularly Ontario, for driving up housing prices. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's this notion of foreign money driving up housing prices in particularly Vancouver and Toronto. There's a lot of media stories about that. And then there's real estate investors buying up properties and doing that. But recently, the government has now shifted with this trying to solve this housing crisis. Now they're pleading for the pub private sector, uh, aka or public sector, I should say, like the general public, to start buying properties and fixing them up and renovating them. Like they need to be part of the solution to create more units on a single property, right? Because the housing can't keep up with that. So in terms of where do they do two years from now with the foreign home buyers, I would say it's a complete crapshoot, as if it's a hundred percent going to be removed or not. But I can't, I, like, I guess to answer that question accurately, let me give my quick 30-second opinion on how the government is handling this whole, like, immigration and housing and, like, why do we need so much immigration to Canada? So you take a step back. We have an aging workforce. There's more people getting out of the workforce than there's people getting into the workforce in Canada. Mm -hmm. So that whole back half of that baby boomer generation now they're, they're receiving their social assistant, their CPP, their Canada pension, whatever they're eligible to, whatever they paid into for their whole lives. So we know in Canada that the people that are paying for that are the workers right now. 
So we need more workers. So we need more immigration. So that's why we open our doors and say, come, come all, everybody's welcome. It's a great place, but we actually need them to join the workforce because what they're paying into CPP, EI, all of those programs into all of our social assistance, our healthcare, all of that stuff. We need those funds for our society to continue to work, right? For mm. that whole equation to work. So if we could ban them for two years. But if you're a hardworking family that came here and we need immigration and immigration starts to die off in these next two years because people look at it as I can't go there and buy a home anymore, that, that could be the real X factor in terms of what the government does at the end of that. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I got I'm curious. Um, and when most people think Southwest Ontario, um, you know, I think. I think that pretty much starts right around St. Catharines and goes all the way around the lake, all the way up to how how far up does it really go? I mean, Barrie? What do like, you mean in terms of like southwestern Ontario? Well, yeah, when you think about southwest Ontario, like like I'm trying to figure out where where it starts and like it, it's just in the it's in the bottom little uh, almost like yeah. A, so I'd start down in like a little Windsor. Boot down there. Yeah. yeah. So start in Windsor. That's the furthest southwest that you can go is yeah. Windsor. You can go north of there up to a great little town called Sarnia. That's again, right, Windsor and Sarnia are yeah. both right on the U.S. border. Um, both places are great for real estate investing, very affordable, detached properties, um, some old um, neighborhoods there that are really being kind of, um, people are moving in, fixing them up. I forget the word right now, but moving into those neighborhoods, fixing them up, a lot of potential there. And then from there, you head east all the way over. So if you go north from there, it's kind of cottage country if you follow yeah. the line of the lake. But if you head east from there, then you get into tiny little town Chatham on the way to London. Mm -hmm. Chatham, again, very affordable. London's your next kind of like major city, I would say, as you head along that 401 corridor, kind of the main highway running through southwestern Ontario. And then from there, it's you're going to get into heavier populations as you head towards Toronto. You're getting into like Cambridge, Guelph, Kitchener, Waterloo. Of course, south of there, there's again a little bit more of rural properties down towards the water as well, because it's we're just completely surrounded by the Great Lakes there, right? There's yeah. water in pretty much every direction. But once you get over to St. Catharines, then you're kind of in between that Niagara area. Now you're bordered between two lakes, and I would say. You're kind of, as you head up towards Hamilton, now you're kind of into the GTA. I would consider yeah. Hamilton almost as a stretch of the GTA. So I would say everything uh, west of Hamilton, and then even it's arguable whether or not there's this area called the Golden Horseshoe that's from follows Lake Ontario from Toronto all the way down to Niagara. So I would say mm -hmm. that's probably not the southwestern Ontario. It's more in that Golden Horseshoe area. Yeah. So, so the southwestern, you're really looking at anything west of the GTA. You know, maybe once you get outside of Milton, anything west of there, all the way down to Windsor, Sarnia. If you have a map up in front of you, yeah, no Ontario, and I'm saying all of this, it probably sounds really confusing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was funny. I was thinking about it because uh, I was trying to figure out like what is actually defined, like the definition of Southwest Ontario. I was looking at it, and all the different maps, uh, you know, that I found were all different. They all had their own different interpretation of it. And I guess I was just curious, um, you know, because you're such an expert on the area, what, what would you say like are your little pocket favorite towns to invest in? You know, something that's got good jobs, um, you know, something, a good stable investment that's at an affordable price that's got some decent rents. London, Windsor, Sarnia are, would be the, the top three there in terms of affordability, stability, um, and just decent economies supported by a whole bunch of different things, right? Sarnia and Windsor are both border towns um, uh, on the U.S., mm -hmm. still really, I think, historically strong towns um, on the Great Lakes, so for a number of reasons there. Their, their economies will continue to be good, uh, in my opinion. London's a university town, a lot of old generational wealth uh, in London, a lot of London actually is a city, and I've heard this, I haven't seen it firsthand, uh, and I haven't been, it's not like I'm born and raised in London by any means, but London is a city that I hear that 
people choose it because it's a good sample size if they're trying to test a franchise or a, a new business. It's like the perfect, has a little bit of everything, it has a diverse kind of like dichotomy of people and economy in itself. So a lot of franchises and businesses use London as like, if it works in London, then it might work in a larger city. So, you know, whether you buy a student rental, if you're buying a property closer to the university, the Western University is a very popular university in Ontario. Um, student rentals are insane right now in Ontario. Or just single family properties, little hidden gem towns outside of London, like St. Thomas. It's about a 20 minute 20 minutes south of London, uh, commuter town, again, blue collar town, a lot of um, a lot of solid businesses there, but a lot of people live there because it's a little bit cheaper than London and they commute into London. Uh, really great rentals there, probably an up and coming neighborhood there. Like we're talking in between London and St. Thomas, there's things like an Amazon plant that, that was being built, um, other large businesses coming in. So we're talking stable economies here that are self-sustaining. Nice. So what, let, let's just stick on London just because you're on it. Like what purchase prices are, you know, can you expect in some of those smaller areas? Or I guess let's, let's use two examples, you know, let's the student rentals near the university and maybe, you know, uh, a more uh, mature neighborhood, single family dwelling. Um, like what kind of rents can you expect in those areas? for student rentals and maybe say, um, you know, single family dwelling, just a straight up rental. Yeah, for sure. Single family dwelling. Um, you're looking at 2,500 to 2,750, depending on how nice it is. And again, there that's, that can fluctuate from neighborhood to neighborhood. We know how subjective they are, but the demand is out there right now in the North end of London. You have brand new townhouses that people have bought, haven't lived in, and they're renting for $3,000 a month. I sure hope Amazon's paying well. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Well, that's what I mean, right? Like it's, if you, if you're able to get into a single family home for 300, 350, you fix it up. Even if your cash flow slightly positive right now or maybe even slightly negative you have to believe that that's going to go up in the next couple of years and interest rates are going to come down so if you can afford to lock into that i think it's a great long-term investment to be honest with you Mm -hmm. people were people were still making money when we were selling the same home for 550 that we're selling right now for 310 320 350 in those ranges so i think when you look at what people are paying for rent, then you can understand what people are paying for mortgages in the same city. Yeah, that makes total sense. Is is it affordable? I mean, like a family who's making one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, you know, household income, mm-hmm. they, they can't afford that. It's just it's mathematically they can't afford that. Yeah, I think what ends up happening is the traditional notion of affordability, GDS, TDS, is is out the window because people are just spending more and more and more of their income uh, towards their primary residence, whether that's in rent or in a mortgage. So I would say over the long term, people, it, what are their other options? If you have to, you either have to rent or you own, right? You only have yeah. those two options. So you have to find something else to cut back on. You have to find, and this is why if you're looking for a rental property that has a tenant in it already, and, and you get the rent roll and that tenant's paying like a thousand bucks or something like that, or $1,200, you're, there's no amount of money for cash for keys that you're going to be able to get that person out of the home. Oh yeah. Cause where are they going to go? They're at least double if they move out of that. Right. Yeah. Does it make, um, does it make secondary dwellings, uh, more attractive for homeowners to have a mortgage helper? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I think for, if you're getting into the market, why not take advantage of that, put a unit in the basement, you know, I think the whole home hack, right. In terms of whether it's a secondary unit in the basement closer to Toronto. And again, we won't really get into that today, but they're talking about like the whole garden suites and and secondary two and three units on the same property because they have back laneways in London or Mm -hmm. in Toronto, meaning that they have old garages that they're able to 
um, skip the development charges and turn into its own dwelling itself as long as it's running off the same services as the main property. So anything like that, even in Windsor, they're allowing garden suites. Tiny homes are going up in Windsor. I know a guy who um, they, they construct tiny homes, so they buy larger lots, sever off the lot, fix up the main house, sell that, and then turn the neighboring lot into two or three tiny home units, one acting as a garden suite behind with a laneway down the side of the house, and then maybe two towards the uh, front edge. Those are all ways for people to afford, you know, home ownership, whether they're living there or just even being able to offer more affordable rent to somebody if you have three units on a property. Mm -hmm. So that would all be like, that would all be one, one title where they'd own the three tiny homes on. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. I like that. So I think, I think you're going to see more things like that becoming, um, popular as we move forward because Wayne's right the mathematics they don't work people are finding a way to make it work because what do you do you have a family you you know you make you make good money you have a family you you need to have a roof over your head so you're either going to pay for a decent size home for a family you're going to pay twenty five hundred to three thousand dollars in rent right on the low end maybe you find something that's low two thousands or you try and get into a mortgage Right. And then like Gabby suggested, maybe put in a secondary unit to help you cover that. Yeah. My, um, uh, my, my, I put my father hat on just as, 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 you, as you did earlier, you know, thinking about like my, my kids and, you know, in the future. And like, I, I really, I really can relate to what you said before about like how it's just, it's as a, as a citizen, it's, it sounds terrible you know for your kids and you know the fact that like they're not going to be able to buy a house and the rents are too much but you know it is a reminder for us as parents to to recognize this and you know there i I don't like saying there's nothing we can do about it because there are things we can do about it you know as a whole but ultimately you know the decisions that we make today as responsible parents um, are going to determine, you know, whether our kids have the opportunity to be homeowners in the future. So, you know, the fact that Randall, you know, you're an investor, I'm an investor, you know, the decisions that we're making today um, are going to determine whether our kids um, are able to buy a home. So I think that for everyone listening, you know, if you're on the fence about becoming an investor or you're like, I don't know, it's the landlording thing and everything else, just remember that like, just remember why you're doing it as well. I, I I know it doesn't sound very good, but like, okay, make your money now so that your kids can have a house and nobody else's kids can have a house. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, this is why we do it, right? Because when, we don't know what the future holds. Yeah, but I don't even think that necessarily, it's not like we all need to go out and buy our children properties. Like, I don't think that no. that's the solution, but knowing what the future holds can allow us to set them up for success with financial literacy and, you know, all those types of things. So it's just an opportunity to really reflect on how you're raising your children Mm -hmm. and what you're teaching them. And, you know, all those things that we don't have the opportunity to learn in school, it's, it's on us. Yeah. I I guess what I was trying to say more so about just, you know, buy a property today and in 20 years, you know, when they're older, you're going to have built up quite a bit of equity and you can sell that property and you can give your kids $250,000 or whatever. And here, here's your down payment for your $1 million two bedroom bungalow. (laughs) (laughs) You know know what I mean? Like just let them rent, just let them rent from you. There you go. That if you want them to be responsible and learn it, you could do you could do lots of different things. You could do like a seller take back mortgage for them and have private terms with them to mm-hmm. you know teach them the responsibility and continue along that path. I don't you know I think there's lots of options there. But if you think if you subscribe to the theory that in 20 years from now it's going to be more costly than what it is now, which I don't know how it's going to be less costly than what it is yeah. now in 20 years from now, then now is the right time. Whether you have kids. You don't have kids, whatever the case may be. I think now is a good time. And particularly, I think just to summarize everything that I've said today, like we're in this dip now in Ontario where if you look at this trend, things were slowly going up, slowly going up, slowly going up. They peaked like mad during COVID. Now we're back to where it was before COVID. 
interest rates are higher than what they've been in the last, I don't even know, 15, 15 years, call it, maybe yep. even more. Um, mm-hmm. And we have a ban on foreign home buyers. <laughs> so if you look ahead, plus what I said about immigration and how the fact that we need immigration to have the economy churn and support all of our social assistance programs and healthcare systems, like that supply and demand and interest rates going down. And, and maybe if that ban gets lifted, there's going to be a little bit of a shot in the arm in a couple of years from now. So mm-hmm. whether it goes down a little bit next month or a couple months from now, if you're buying it for the long term, now's a great time. I agree. I agree. I do subscribe to that. I'm a, I'm a premium subscriber to that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Randall, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and, and, uh, updating us on that. And, um, you did touch on student rentals and I, I am a little more, I am a little interested in that. And I'd like to chat more about that if you're open to it. Um, you know, next time you're on in two weeks. Yeah. Let's do that next time. Cause I think that's a whole beast on its own. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, man. Not a problem. Thank you. Thanks, Randall. Have a great day, everyone. Take care. You too. Bye. If you guys are wanting to connect with Randall, or I guess with DCI Properties, um, head over to their website. Gabby's got it here because I don't have it handy. (laughs) I always forget (laughs) it. (laughs) It's dciproperties.ca, but also if you want to get onto their buyers list for Ontario, it's www.dciproperties.ca slash buyers. And for Alberta, it's www.dciproperties.ca slash Alberta buyers. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Okay, let's take a a little break here and we'll come back and see what kind of questions we got that, that came up during the show. If not, we might have a few uh, left over from from the last couple of days. Um, all right, sounds good. New to real estate? Stuck? Maybe you need quick cash. Wholesaling is a strategy that can fit almost any investor, but it has to be done right. Hi, I'm real estate lawyer Barry McGuire, and I'm here to help. Join me in Calgary on March 18th for a full day deep dive into wholesaling. Space is limited, so reach out to Wayne and Gabby right away for their special offer. Some of you might have heard us talking about DCI Properties and how much we like their process and deal flow as one of the premier wholesaling companies in Canada. But one of the things most people don't know about DCI Properties is that they don't cherry-pick deals for themselves. Everything they get under contract, they offer out to their buyer's list. That's right, no sloppy seconds from DCI. No sloppy seconds. So if you're an investor looking for their next flip project or cash-flowing rental property, get on their buyers list today and check out their inventory. To get on the list for Alberta deals, visit www.dciproperties.ca slash Alberta buyers, or for Ontario deals, go to www.dciproperties.ca slash buyers. And we are back. I, you know, I always, it seems like every time that commercial is on, um, someone always comes in right when the no sloppy seconds comes on and today it was Chaston. So like, I always, I just, I always imagine that someone's like, maybe they got the volume up a little too high, you know what I mean? And they're, and they haven't listened to anything on their phone yet. And then they click on, you know, the show. And then just that's the first thing they hear is like, no floppies are like right in their ear. <laughs> I, uh, anyways, you like morning. to imagine that I like to, I, I like to think about that. Yeah. Good morning, Chaston. Congrats on being the winner today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Um, that was very informative. Yeah, that was great. Um, Annette here says as well, great discussion. And it was, it's, uh, <laughs> Justin says that's exactly what blasted my ears. <laughs> yeah, I figured. <laughs> yeah, it was a really great discussion. Um, we're lucky to have uh, Randall's insights. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, I... <sighs> wherever you are, whether you're an Ontario investor, a Saskatchewan investor, a BC investor in Alberta. Um, I, there's just too many headlines and it's nice to hear from experts. Yeah. Someone on the ground. Yeah. Someone on the ground that's actually dealing in these markets and to actually hear what's actually going on. Yeah. Because I mean, how many headlines have you read recently about, you know, Oh no, my property drops, you know, half of the value and it's not fair. And well, I was like, I mean, I, I learned a lot in that. I was kind of just sitting back and listening, like I chatted, but 
Um, I was surprised to know that in a lot of those towns that you can get properties in the low threes because like, I mean, I'm, I'm not from Ontario. I've only been there a few times. Um, but you know, because you have family there, I know that like just watching in St. Catharines, like, um, an old townhouse go from like 150 to like 400. Um, I just, I just assumed that there wasn't those opportunities, Yeah, you know, um, cause St. Catharines is one of those, you know, smaller Southwestern Ontario towns. Eh, It's it's not now. Yeah. It's it's part of the golden horseshoe, but yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, as I said, I don't, I do, I do not know. I'm not from there. I don't go there. But um, that was just hard, my limited. When you look at the map too, it's kind of hard to like tell where it starts and yeah. stops. But that was just my my limited knowledge based on just like your family talking about their property. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And to see like that kind of rise in an older townhouse, like I just imagined based on that, that you would never be able to get a, a single family dwelling for 300. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The rents are ridiculously high though. Yeah, absolutely. It's that's crazy the and demand. Then, yeah, and then you add like um, HST on top of like everything that you know, just the affordability of living there. Just and the same thing with like um, that the Vancouver area, the Lower Mainland. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, how do people do it? I don't understand. I just don't understand. <laughs> I, 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 I but don't. to hear, but to hear um, Randall also talk about how. Um, you know, that it's, it's not as if, you know, the wages are extraordinarily high or anything like that. And that people decide to cut back in other areas. It's, um, you know, that kind of makes sense as well. So, um, just a whole, uh, just, just yeah. less jacked up trucks, <laughs> different beast, <laughs> Right. And I, 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 I might be paraphrasing him, but he said something along the lines of people just figure it out. Yeah. And, you know, if that's your affordability, you, you know, you'll find a way to make that payment. Right. Um, we, we, we're, we're really bad at budgeting in North America. <laughs> like we're really bad at budgeting. I don't, I don't think anyone really knows how much money they spend every month, especially in a world of subscriptions now. Um, I don't think anyone really knows what's coming in and what's going out. You know what I mean? Until, until they, you know, they, they, they get a notification that you're kind of reaching your limit. They're like, Oh, I guess I'll just work a little overtime this weekend. You know what I mean? Or like, I'll just throw it on the credit card and then, or the line of credit. And then, Oh shoot. Uh, I had the credit card get up to $50,000. So I'll just go to Manulife and get a Manulife one debt consolidation. And people just kind of, you know, it, it's hard to fail in Canada. Yeah. It's really hard to fail. Cause even if you're getting to the point where it's like, Oh shit, I really messed up. I made some bad decisions. Like there's always some sort of a bailout in some form or fashion. And I think that's, you know, ultimately why we're able to continue to people are probably, you know, doing cash advances on their credit card to make the rent payments and they're complaining about it, but they just do it because there's no other options, you know, but at the same time, you know, yeah, I, I, just, I just, in my opinion, I think it's really hard to fail in Canada. Like you have to like really, really get to a bad spot in order to get, you know, and even when you do, it's like, you know, consumer debt, whatever the, the, the debt things that I can't put my <laughs> words together today, bankruptcy. Um, and then it's like, oh, okay, just make payments on it. And like, like you, you don't die. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, there's, there's always a way out. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, that's probably how people get around it. Or they just start renting out rooms, right? Worst case scenario, just rent out a couple of, a couple of your rooms for six or seven hundred bucks each. Yeah, for sure. So um, we have ten minutes left. Yeah, something we can uh, get oh. into that isn't too <laughs> too mm-hmm. crazy. Mm. I saw that uh, Joshua put his three part question in the chat. <laughs> that sounds like a Thursday, like question. a tomorrow question. Yeah. Sorry, Joshua. Yeah, I oh, like I got up early and everything for this shit. <laughs> We're just going to keep you coming back day after day until it's a routine. Yeah, Maybe sometime next week we'll talk about your question. It's going to keep <laughs> stringing it along just to get people to stay on the show every day. That's, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Let's um, let's take a peek in my little bank here. Um, oh, boy. That's a good question, though, that you had. Um, I, I can guarantee you right now that when I answer tomorrow, it's going to be a huge it depends. Um. 
but it'll be it'll create a good discussion. And for those of you guys that were that are joining us live today, you know, go have a read. And, and I'd like to hear what your thoughts are, because what I'd like tomorrow is just though it'll be difficult is to create a bit of a discussion about, you know, what to do. So, okay. Um, and those of you who aren't live are just going to have to come back tomorrow to find out what it is. Yep. Cliffhanger. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, geez. Uh, hey. Hey. I'm, 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 I'm just making noise because I'm reading. <laughs> Got nothing. <laughs> like some of them, we've already. I guess I forgot to delete them. Some of them, you know, we've already answered, and then some of them are really, really long. So if I just keep dragging this out for another eight minutes, the show will be over. <laughs> All of a sudden, the numbers just drop. Ah, <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Um, what tips do you have for putting in your best offer on a property? I see many properties going for multiple offers currently. That's interesting. I haven't really seen multiple offers going on. I guess unless it's like your 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 more like investor type deals, investor type properties where you know it's it's a really good cash flowing property or um, maybe a really discounted property. Um, my guess would again without knowing, my guess would be that if you're running into multiple offer. Um, situations here on properties. Uh, my guess is that it's probably a really big discount and, or it's underpriced. And with that, I mean, the, the best way to win in those scenarios is to have the highest number, right? Because that's what everyone's focusing on is that number. Yeah. This is a big topic of discussion that we talked about in depth around this time last year yeah, when the market started going crazy um, with multiples and with lineups and all that kind of thing. Um, and there's definitely, you know, lots of things that you can do to stand out, but at the end of the day, short the seller does... jean shorts, <laughs> short shorts, cutoffs. It's fucking cold though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the end of the day, the seller does want the highest price. That's always what is most attractive is the highest price. Mm -hmm. Um, so how do you distract them <laughs> from the highest price? Yeah. But I think that like a couple other things are always um, as as little conditions as possible. Um, you know, especially if we're talking about distressed properties, um, people don't want to, you know, wait for those inspections and to, for you to come back and be like, well, those cracks in the foundation, which you could clearly see, but now you're negotiating price more um, or, you know, waiting on on financing and all that kind of stuff. Like, if any of those can be reduced timelines, like, you know, if you know that you can get an inspection within a week and that your financing is lined up, people will rather see a week of conditions instead of two or three weeks of conditions, mm -hmm. those types of things. Um, also, uh, the amount of deposit can yep. be attractive to people. It doesn't really mean anything because at the end of the day, if you don't remove your conditions, you get it back. But there's this conception that it shows seriousness. I'm so rich, if somebody bitch. has 50 grand in their bank account that they're willing to put up as a deposit, yeah. it just shows that you're, yeah, you have money, you're serious, you, you know, you're not joking around with your $2,000 deposit, um, that sort of thing. So there's um, a level of seriousness that that can create. Um, yeah. And I think also a really good realtor can give you a really good edge. Mm -hmm. Somebody who has really good communication um, that can talk you up to the other realtor that can tell you, tell them your seriousness and what you're mm -hmm. doing and, you know, those types of things that you're a serious investor, you're not, you know, playing around all these types of things you have your, they have their financing lined up. They just need that final stamp of approval type of thing. So all those things I think can give you an extra edge in the situations where properties start going for multiple offers. Yeah. Uh, it, it is going to be a case by case thing, but you can't say generally that, you know, a, a seller is going to want to know that we have a serious buyer 
that's actually going to remove conditions because most sellers have never been in a selling situation before, Mm -hmm. but someone who has been in a selling situation before, so say you're an investor and you've bought and sold a lot of properties, you've probably run into a scenario where someone gave you two weeks conditions and on the 11th hour, someone bailed out because they couldn't get financing in time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mother it's God. It's the worst. It's the worst. Yeah. And then you get another offer and they put two weeks conditions and they drag that shit out until the very last hour. And they're like, oh, we couldn't help but notice. But, um, you know, there's a slow drip in the faucet in the downstairs bathroom. And uh, my my home inspector says that it could be um, uh, poor ventil- venting in the, the home and uh, the whole the whole plumbing system might need to be completely removed. So we're going to want to take off $4,500. It's only 25% of the cost of removing all the plumbing. But, uh, but we'll, we, we think that, um, you know, you cover 25%, we'll cover 75%. Now you're four weeks into this because it's two weeks in the first offer, two weeks, you know, now on the second offer. Like if you've been through that, then the desirability of having someone with no conditions or, you know, short condition time period is is going to be extremely valuable to someone. Or even having a realtor say, this is an experienced investor. They, um, you know, they've, they're, buying up properties and and whatever it is flipping them or or turning them into rental properties and that sort of thing they have every like they pl- mm-hmm. they don't plan on you know messing around here they just need the cup though whatever it is few days to seal up their you know having somebody yeah. speak like that giving them the assurance that you're not just a home buyer who's like oh i don't know about that dishwasher i was making a loud noise yeah you know that type of thing mm-hmm. that helps a lot Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, a seller who's already had an offer that was pulled, that would be extremely attractive to them, right? Because they've already been burned. Um, Or perhaps a seller who needs a fast closing, someone who needs to get out right now for whatever reason, that's going to be attractive to them. Um, I don't think it'd be attractive to someone who's like, yeah, well, 45 days, 60 days, not a big deal. You know what I mean? I'm not in no rush to leave. That type of person's not going to really find that attractive. And all they're going to be thinking about is money. So if that's the case, then I would, I would, I would put your deposit on the table and, you know, drop a big deposit. Again, it doesn't really matter because you're going to get, like, you're going to get it all back. Like, even if it's, if the deposit is more than what your down payment's going to be, like, you can, you can get your financing to cover it and pay you back. But I think that putting a big deposit just shows you're serious compared to the person who put a thousand dollar deposit. Right. And I, I, an uneducated or unsophisticated seller who is just the first time they sold the property of their home is not going to really recognize that. But hopefully their realtor says, okay, we got two offers. One's for four ninety nine. One's for four ninety nine five. However, this person here, they put a $1,000 deposit. This person here put a $75,000 deposit. So, I mean, deposits don't really mean much, but if you, you know, if you're going to choose one, choose the one who's, who looks more serious or choose the one who only has a home inspection condition or choose the one who um, doesn't have a home inspection condition. They just need one week for financing, something along those lines. Just how can you stand out and be more attractive? Mm-hmm. Uh, lastly, what you can do, if it's your home, if you're going to be buying it as a home, you can write them a letter. And uh, you can say, hey, I, this is my dream home. I'm going to be renovating it. I'm going to be moving into it. And um, it would mean so. We're, we're so excited to be next to, you know, St. Uh, Augustus Park. That's <laughs> where my second cousin got married. And I, I want my kids to grow up there. You know, uh, when my second cousin got married, (laughs) catching fish in the stream, and I, I wanna, I want their children's children to catch uh, salmon too. I don't know, whatever. You know what I mean? Don't tell me to wrap it up. I'm literally dragging this out so I can get to the hour mark. You're at it. Am I at it? Passed it. Fucking nailed it. Don't want to talk about nailed it. Catching salmon in the stream. Yeah, yeah. Up, upstream, downstream. All, all, all kinds. All yeah. streams. I don't fish. 
I clearly don't fish and I'm clearly not a plumber. There's probably a plumber listening to like what I said about like the whole venting thing going like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> so yeah, I'm not a plumber, not a fisherman or an angler. Um, but I do like real estate and there's your tips <laughs> for what was the question? Uh, tips for putting in best offers on a property. Uh, you just get, you know, summarize, just get creative. Just get creative, honestly. Um, you got to find a way to distract them from the price, from the money. And whether that's jean shorts, whether that's a letter, whether that's a big deposit, you know, showing you're serious, whether that's, you know, a lesser timeline or lesser term for, uh, for your condition day, uh, period, whatever, do whatever you can to stand out. Yeah. Uh, otherwise you're going to have to go by price and that's a tough one because you know, if, if you're, especially if you're doing like some sort of like a burr or flip where you need the numbers to work, right. To be under a certain number, uh, it's going to make things difficult. And I think you're going to lose to a bunch of offers. You're going to lose in a bunch of bids, yeah. um, to dumb people who don't know what they're doing. Um, so one other thing that I just thought of, I just quickly answered, hey, Gab, if you could just wrap it up, <laughs> if you could just, if you could just wrap it up, I just quickly answered a question for, for Philip in the chat. And it just also uh, made me realize that there was one thing that we didn't talk about. And that's also possession dates. If mm. you can have your realtor find out the ideal possession date for them. Um, so it's not always the quickest possession date. That's not always what everybody wants. You know, if it's somebody who's been living there a long time, um, they might need two months possession or that might be their ideal as the, while they go and whatever, find their house or, you know, get packed up and yada, yada. So having your realtor find out what their ideal possession date is, is also a way to be attractive in your offer. Mm. Um, so sometimes that is the quickest possession. If it's a vacant property, that's usually an indicator that a quick possession is best. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if you can close in a week or, you know, whatever it may be, um, that can be the determining factor versus closing in a month or a month and a half, you know, where you see most, most offers closing. Yeah. So um, getting that tidbit of information before submitting your offer is very valuable or even putting on there like can close any time <laughs> that is ideal to you. Yeah. Um, if you're writing, you know, if maybe if it's off market and you don't have a realtor helping you, just like whatever works for you, I can make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, since we're dragging this show past an hour, I don't, this has got to be a great answer, by the way. This has got to be the longest that I've gone without shitting on our audience. It's true. You must be feeling good these days. I. You're not. Feeling great. <laughs> feeling great. I've been doing a lot of reflection. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just like I was going through um, old episodes. I, I was looking. Someone asked me a question the other day and I was trying to find an episode to give them the answer. I'm like, here. Uh, but I was going through it and I'm like, wow, I haven't, I haven't done a rant in like a long time. It's got to be two weeks at least, at least. And, um, and then I realized that like, I don't, I don't know if you noticed Gab, but this time next week is March. Yeah. Is March. Yeah. Like two months are gone already. And, um, you know, two months is, 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 is a long time. You know, you just do that six more times and then we're in 2024. And um, I just want to make sure that you guys are paying attention, that five, you're not snoozing. Five more times. Huh? Five more times. Uh, is it five? Yeah, yeah, five more times, I guess. <laughs> yeah, five more. Oh, God, that's even worse. Um, yeah, don't snooze through 2023. Don't snooze. Really, seriously, like... <sighs> I know we're going to hear it. I know we're going to hear it at the end of the year. Someone's going to say something like, oh, I wish I would have done more this year. Or, oh, I wish I would have bought properties earlier in the year before the prices went up. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it, it happens every single year. We have the same discussion. And um, I just do whatever you need to do. Whatever it is that you've been holding off on. Whatever it is that you've been like, I really need to do this. Or whatever it is that you're like, I know I need to do this, but I'm just... The timing's not right. Or I just need to, I don't know. I just need to prove myself before I go and talk to that person. Just go fucking talk to them today, please. 
please don't waste any more time. Just do it. And if they say no, whatever, who gives a shit? But this whole wait until the spring, you know, wait until next month, wait until I see them again in three weeks, bullshit. Just, just, I want you guys to do something today. Actually go and do something. Um, I know you guys wake up every morning, bright and early to listen to the show, to get your answers. But I, what, what I want you to do is, is take action on those answers today and go do something and go move the needle and, and, and fuck, come back tomorrow morning and share it with us. Inspire others. Okay. That's all I got. Have a great day. Yeah. A little bye-bye toot toot today. All right. Give her a little bye-bye toot toot. <laughs> toot toot. Bye now. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Interested in being a guest on the show? Send us an email to info at reimorningshow.com. <laughs>